0: That's classic. We bring you great laughs and a unique behind-the-scenes look at classic television shows and movies. I'm John Cato. I'm an actor, voiceover artist, and also bring you an amazing insight as a moderator with over 20 years' experience in the television industry. Well, we've got another uh, awesome show today. Uh, I have three guest hosts today, which is a rarity. Normally, it's just one, so it's kind of exciting. Uh, They are all behind the new feature film, Mayberry Man. We have the uh, director and writer Stark Howell, we have uh, Court Howell, the producer, and Greg Schell, also the producer, and also an old dear friend of mine. Um, A perfect group to discuss, probably one of the best written shows of all time, and that's not just saying that, that is for real, The Andy Griffith Show. So welcome to all of you, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. You got it. So so Court, what what do you love most about The Andy Griffith Show?
1: Well, The Andy Griffith Show was a little bit before my time. Um, it was probably off the air by the time I was two years old, but I watched or it we, we do don't,
0: We don't really care about your age, but go on. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but it, I watched it a ton, you know, in reruns growing up, and uh, it's just a classic, it, it and it holds up over time, and as we got into this movie project, you know, really looking at it even more closely, um, you know, it's just an incredibly well-written show, uh, very well-produced. If you look at, uh, you know, these scenes that are basically filmed on different days in completely different cities, you know, the interiors to the exteriors. Yeah. Uh, it's all just seamless, the performances, the, the technical uh, aspects of the production. Um, and of course, the storytelling, which you don't really get today, it's like joke, 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 joke. there, they really let the scenes breathe, they let the characters and the, and the performers really do what they do best. And, and with what Andy and, and Don were doing uh, just a fantastic uh, show. It yeah, never no, gets
0: old. no laugh track either. There was no laugh track. That, you're right, it was more of a character-driven uh, rather than like a, a joke-driven show. That's it's very true. Uh, Stark, by the way, and by the way, you guys are brothers, correct? Yes, we are. Yeah. So Stark, what you have a special tie-in all of this. Uh, it's a, it goes a little bit further than just the show. You, you are uh, familiar with some of the actors, is that correct?
2: Yeah, well, well, I think most people realize that my dad was on a couple of episodes. My dad was an actor, and uh, my dad and Ron Howard's dad were writing partners, and wow, uh, and best friends. And so we grew up. Probably, I think I want to say from maybe eight years old. I think as my earliest memory of uh, just kind of growing up with the Howards, mm-hmm. we would just do all kinds of stuff. We'd play, you know, back in the '60s, we'd be playing wiffle ball and we'd go to the park we'd do all kinds of stuff um and so we just got to kind of live vicariously through their stardom um me and my older brother who was a year older than me Mm -hmm. we were not in the business or anything but we enjoyed hanging out and 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 doing all kinds of fun stuff did this come on the sets or anything like that no we did not i i the only memory i have of one anecdote is when ron howard was going to be on a marcus welby md wow. and it's an old show in the 60s and he Robert, was supposed yeah. to be able to he yeah. was supposed to be playing tennis and he didn't he wanted to brush up on his tennis so he called me up and he and i went and played tennis for an afternoon uh, that's about the only involvement i've had with his career as far as uh you know, going on a set or doing anything
1: well, other than starring in his uh some of his earliest films oh uh, well, well that's silent true. movies
2: well yeah he did some when we were about ten or eleven we he did some uh, super eight movies and uh, my brother, my older brother, myself Clint, and another kid neighborhood kid uh were recruited to be in his movies we did two of them and they were a lot of fun one we shot um, uh I think that we did each of them in one day. But the amount of coverage that Ron got, he was Ronnie back then, uh, was pretty amazing of all the different shots. Uh, and so you could see he had the talent from a young age. I mean, he, he'd probably been wanting to make movies for a few years now then. And he was probably 15, I want to say, when he did that. Wow, that's um, pretty interesting. He, he, yeah, know- so
0: that's kind of cool. I mean, how old, any idea how old he was? Didn't he do Eat My Dust? Didn't he, wasn't that his big, like, breakthrough? That was
2: one of his first uh, movies that he did. That was, um, I don't know if that was his first directorial. He
1: he starred in Eat My Dust in exchange for the opportunity to to direct uh, Grand Theft Auto. That's the story
0: I heard. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that's right. And and, uh, Greg, what about you? I I understand, uh, which, like I said, we've known each other, gosh, probably 25 years. What, what, what is your connection again as well? Uh, Because I know you're quite uh, quite connected to the whole Mayberry scene.
3: Well, as you well know, if you're a big fan of the Andy Griffith show, there was a character on there named Gomer Pyle. And of course uh, with Jim Neighbors and Jim Neighbors had a spinoff show Called Gomer Pyle USMC. My father, who was an actor in the 60s, uh, you know, his very big starring role was as Gomer's sidekick, Duke Slater. Right. So he was yeah. he was on that show uh for many, many years. I think it ran about six seasons. And then Andy asked uh my father to come and appear on two of the color episodes of the Andy Griffith show. So uh, I had gone to uh, you know, this Mayberry Days Festival, if I could just jump ahead, uh, which is in Andy Griffith's hometown of Mount Airy, North Carolina. And uh, I had met Stark through some surfing buddies and and hung out with Stark. And I said, Stark, you know, you ought to come check out this Mayberry Days Festival. It's wild. It's almost like going back in time. You know, it's walking down Main Street with all the vintage cars and the squad cars. And it's, it's like a Twilight Zone. You really ought to check it out. And I think that's, the whole impetus behind our movie Mayberry Man was from Stark's sort of experience uh, coming to Mayberry Days and and seeing all the fans and all the different activities around the Andy Griffith Show, and I think that was the real seedling behind the whole whole idea.
0: That's interesting. You know, it's funny about the whole Mount Airy thing. Uh, I had read that Andy uh, Andy Griffith actually denied that the show uh, that Mount Airy was the basis for Mayberry and what's interesting is a little detective work. Apparently there's an episode that actually shows they're looking through like a phone book and it's actually the Mount Airy phone book. So it's
3: kind of a bizarre (laughs) tie in there,
0: you know, very, very interesting.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well then also, you know, I know that Andy Griffith was asked, uh, like a reporter had asked him at one point, Hey, you know, Mount Airy Mayberry, you know, sounds very familiar. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, we we just want to confirm or deny whether this is Mayberry is based on Mount Airy. And his answer was kind of sounds like it, doesn't it? (laughs) That was it. That was his response. So you have to take that for what it's worth. I hear you. I've got one, you know,
0: court. uh, I'm sorry, Stark. It's this was interesting. I, I don't know. Now, you you obviously knew Ron pretty young. And it's funny, another thing that I have I have found out uh, is that in the opening credits, which are so famous with Andy and Opie walking, you know, with the fishing pole and heading out to the lake or whatever, apparently he was six years old and he didn't have enough strength to throw the rock. He literally like tosses a rock. He didn't have enough strength. <laughs> <Yeah. throw. laughs> they had a production assistant in a bush that actually throws the rock and they have it so that it, it looks as if he's throwing it, but it's actually coming out of the bush, um, and he didn't actually throw it. Was he really that, like, you know, kind of wiry of a kid? No, I just think that he couldn't get the rock to all the way to the water from that
2: road. It wasn't that he couldn't throw. I mean, oh, he, was, gotcha. he liked sports a lot. And, you know, we played a lot of baseball and basketball and things like that. No, I just don't think he could reach the, the lake. I got At you. the distance well, that they needed if, that splash.
1: And if, yeah, if you see the size of that splash, that was a pretty sizable rock. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. That's a good point. <laughs> hey, Court, so your dad, uh, well, both of your uh, dad, uh, what, what was the part that he played in the show?
1: So he played a character called Dud Wash who was uh, the hillbilly boy that uh, came back from uh, serving his country to marry Charlene Darling. And this was the, uh, the episode that introduced the Darling family. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, in that first episode, I think it's called uh, Here Come the Darlings. Uh, you know, he's like in the final scene, he steps off the bus. Uh, and then a few episodes later, there's an episode called Mountain Wedding, where uh, they introduce Ernest T. Bass. Uh, because he doesn't accept the fact that uh, Charlene and Dud got married by the justice of the peace. It's not a proper uh, preacher wedding. And so then they go up to the mountains and uh, uh, recreate or or create a, uh, another wedding ceremony with a preacher. Um, But uh, because Ernest T still thinks he has a chance to steal Charlene away. uh, That's the episode where uh, Barney dresses up in the wedding dress and, uh, and of course, Ernest T snatches uh, Barney in the wedding dress and they can finish the wedding and uh, it's all official. And, and everyone's happy uh, uh, and uh, getting along in the end and, uh, and they sing a song and dance.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Howard Morris, who played Ernest T Bass. Uh, a funny one, funny one about him that uh, I'm sorry, it just takes me there is I don't know if you knew this, but he actually later ended up playing Mayor McCheese the mcdonald's commercials oh yeah (laughs) i believe it i believe it talk about a crazy one yeah so (laughs) um and what's there is a story there though isn't there about uh your dad's character is he not replaced by another actor as we go into the series (sighs) right
1: right later um there was one more episode called uh uh, Divorce Mountain style, and uh, instead of having my father back as Dud Wash, they uh, they brought in Bob Denver Gilligan uh, <laughs> to play the character, and a completely different take on the character. And uh, you know, as my father would would tell the story, they they did it to get him more exposure leading up to the uh, launch of Gilligan's Island. So, um, you know, there's definitely uh, I would say our fathers. Uh, portrayal of dud wash is a little more authentic hillbilly uh denver's take is a little more cartoony um so there's fans of both both duds
0: yeah yeah it it sounds like bob might have just been a dud but that's that's (laughs) my opinion (laughs) (laughs) hey um, the other one on this is uh ron howard's dad rance by the way i i understand that he was in this show too um i don't know if you did you guys know that Oh, yeah, several times he was in the show yeah, I, the one the only one I'm familiar with, and i god i I don't know the name of the episode, but he was the chauffeur for the uh the governor
1: yeah, he was the governor's yeah. chauffeur yeah uh another episode he plays uh a, a g man, and actually um it's an wow. episode that people point out a lot because there's a a, a big uh goof in it. Because the 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 actor that was uh, slated to play this character ended up getting ill and had to replace them. So there's a scene where Opie comes into the courthouse and passes by them, and it's a completely different actor. And then the rest of the the episode, it's it's Rance. So there's lots of little fun things like that in there. And so Rance shows up a few times. Uh, the episode where they all think that uh, Andy and um, uh, Crump, Helen Crump are going to get married. Right. Uh, he's part of the group in the, the house that, you know, redoes the bedroom at the end of the and he's in that scene. So he's, he pops up uh, from time to time as does Clint
0: as little Leon, you know. Oh, I forgot all about that. That's right, Clint. Jeez. Yeah, even then. What, um, hey, uh, by the way, it's, it's hard not to talk about this show without talking about Don Knotts. I mean, obviously we've discussed a little bit about Andy and some of the the tie-ins with with Opie, but I mean, you know, Don Knotts as Barney is just iconic. Um, Greg, what by, by the way, what what you have a connection there? Is that isn't that correct?
3: Well, yeah, in the sense that my father was you know uh, real life friends with Don Knotts, so I remember my brother and I have clear memories of you know Don and his wife coming to dinner at our house in the nineteen seventies. Wow, uh, and it wasn't until maybe a little bit later when i was a little bit older maybe eight nine ten somewhere in there that i realized that all these friends of my father's were these people on tv and of course don Knotts being one of the big ones uh i think it was uh the the apple dumpling gang uh i saw that in a movie theater i want to say in 1978 and i remember saying there's uncle don there's uncle don you know so so that was a real uh, treat uh, in order to have Don Knotts, you know, living in Los Angeles and having him actually, you know, a friend of my dad's. So that was really, really special. Was, was, uh, was he anything like the Barney character? He's not. You know, that's the funny thing. You know, a lot of people know this about Don Knotts. First of all, he was a very shy person in real life. You know, he, he barely spoke, you know, at the dinner table. He was very quiet. Um, he was, he loved the ladies, <laughs> you know, there's no getting around that. He Yeah, I have he, heard that. I he have was a ladies that. man. Yeah. yeah and it's loved wild. The, I heard that. He attracted that, them. Yeah. This wayward sort of weird, you know, hokey deputy becomes like this sort of, you know, the Burt Reynolds of, of all hokey deputies, you know? Wow. Uh, wow. he was, he was quite a ladies man, but he was also a very, very, uh, genuine and just a lovely human being. And my father... When he passed away, my father was the MC at his funeral.
0: Oh my gosh, I didn't even so, know that
3: Yeah, so my father sort of officiated the funeral and called up all the different uh, people like Carl Reiner to come up and Mel Brooks to come up and you know all these different you know very famous comedians uh, that had nothing but praise for Don and his talent.
0: Oh, wow, that's really cool. I you know it's, it's interesting about Donuts too he he was as I said so iconic so a part of the Andy Griffith show and yet after five seasons he leaves and I think I think especially for people watching the show at the time they're probably like why why did why would you possibly want Don to leave and you know I I think he always felt bad about that because he didn't intend to leave he didn't want to leave but Andy Griffith had stated that the show would go five years and then they were going to be done so he committed to a I think it was a five picture contract over at Universal because of that. And um, you know, which of course were some great movies, goes to Mr. Chicken and a bunch of others. But um yeah. what was it?
3: Yeah, yeah, and like the, the incredible Mr. Limpet and all that other stuff he did.
0: Yeah. Well, let's
2: not forget the love god.
0: Oh, the love <laughs> god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. I oh I, I love every one of those actually. So um Let's let's uh, I, I think I, you know, it's hard not to, I mean, obviously you guys just, you know, went, and I know you're still actually in post on this uh, feature that you've done Mayberry man. So let's, uh, I'd like to, you know, look at a little of tie in between these two. I mean, what, you know, what comes court, why, why suddenly do we, you know, go from the Andy Griffith show and say, Hey, let's do Mayberry man. What's what's the basis there.
1: Right. So, you know, the, the last thing we would want to do is try to go out and, and remake the Andy Griffith show. I think that would be a big mistake. I mean, even the people that actually did the show struggled with that when they did reunion shows and things like that. It's tough to right. please these fans, right? Um, right? Because the show, the original show is so perfect. So we didn't want to do anything like that. So Mayberry Man is really a tribute to the Andy Griffith show and the fan community today. The fan community is huge. And that's kind of what, Sparked this whole idea is, uh, you know, we weren't going to go out and pitch this idea to CBS or a studio. I I just don't think that would be a a winning strategy. But start, you know, after visiting the Mayberry Days, uh, you know, festival and learning more, uh, about how, how sizable this audience was. It's like, I think these fans could chip in a few bucks and we could raise enough money to make a movie. And, and, and sure enough, that's what we did. I mean, it's a low budget movie. Um, but we had a ton of community involvement and volunteer involvement and, uh, you know, what's actually on screen. If you added up what it would cost to, to, pay for all this from the locations to the vintage vehicles to the all the actors a lot of the actors are not you know paid at all um you know it it's going to add up to a, a pretty sizable budget that's going to be on screen but you know we're doing it on a shoestring and um, no one's really expecting to make any money on this deal it's a passion project um, and so that's the connection we had some great support by the way you know speaking of don knots and andy griffith Both of their daughters are involved in this project. Uh, Dixie Griffith, Andy's daughter, is a huge supporter and involved from early on in the process. Karen Knotts is a supporter and appears in the movie. You know, she's got a couple of scenes. So, wow. um, you know, we've got some real authentic tie-ins to the to the show, and uh, we feature a lot of the tribute artists. They don't call themselves impersonators. The people that dress up as the characters and You're perform about, like, at the uh, yeah. at the festivals. Uh, they uh, we have a lot of them them in the movie and in some, some significant roles too. So it's uh, it's just a fun uh, celebration. Uh, of the Andy Griffiths Show, the current fan community, and um, I think anybody who's at all a fan of the show is is going to really enjoy it.
2: Okay, well, Court, okay. tell them about the music as well.
1: Well, that's that's another tie-in. Uh, yeah. we, um, uh, early on, uh, Laura Hagen is uh, the widow of Earl Hagen, who who created all the music for the Andy Griffith Show. She said, "I want to help you guys out," and she has offered up. Uh, the, the rights to the music from the original Andy Griffiths show that we'll be able to kind of weave into the, into the soundtrack.
0: Like the opening um, credits music?
1: Well, not the whistle theme, cause that's co-owned with another artist, but um, all the other familiar themes that you hear in, in, in the uh, Andy Griffiths show are um, available to us. Uh, obviously we need to use them sparingly. We don't want to sure. turn this into like a, a, you know, an imitation Andy Griffith show, but um just another layer of authenticity that I think uh, is really going to knock people out.
0: That's really interesting. That's that, that's pretty wild, Greg. You know uh, the fact that you you know kind of met Stark there. You had how many times had you already been to Mayberry Days?
3: Uh, I think I had been to the Mayberry Days festival about four times. Four the times. First, the first time I went there, my father said you ought to bring your video camera. So. I did. And I didn't know it at the time, but once I was there for like two days, I started interviewing people and I actually turned it into a mini documentary. Uh, So, yeah, so I made an hour long documentary about the Mayberry days festival. And, uh, and then I was able to return the very next year and actually screen that documentary to, you know, a, a couple sold out performances, you know, at the theater, which was great. So Wow. I had already been, you know, well-oiled in, in this uh, festival world. And that's why when I told Stark, hey, Stark, you really ought to see this and experience it. It's like a twilight zone. It's like being in a twilight zone. And, of course, Stark can speak to his own experience and probably what, you know, uh, inspired him to write uh, the Mayberry Man script. Uh, and uh, I'll let Stark uh, let you know from, from that point.
2: Yeah, at first I thought Greg was a little crazy. I thought, why would anyone want me? He said, you ought to, to," (laughs) well, that's true. Yes. He said, you ought to come and you bring pictures of your dad and sign autographs for your dad. And I'm thinking, why does anyone want my autograph? Well, I hadn't realized that, you know, any connection to the original cast uh, Hmm. is is, uh, very desirable to the fan base. Um, And so I, Greg said, I'll see if I can get you an invite. So he ended up connecting me with the girl, the gal there, and I got an invite. I went with Greg. I said, "If if you don't go, I'm not going." So Greg said, "I'll go. I'll go with you." And so Greg and I piled around for the for the week, and um, it was apparent that I was the fish out of water in the story because I felt like, "What am I doing here? Yeah, and this is crazy." And so it kind of gave me the idea. I felt like there is something here and I didn't know what it was and then I came up with an idea to have a fish out of water type of story. Hmm. So I I kind of told myself, what is it, that I, what, who is this main character then? And I felt like he had to be the exact opposite of the vibe that you get from Mayberry days, which is nothing but friendliness and it's Mayberry. Everybody acts like they want to live in Mayberry. And I, I created a character basically the opposite of that. And that ended up being a self-centered, obnoxious, uh, privileged, um, movie star. Wow. that is. That was unhappy and, uh, he had everything, but had nothing. And I felt like I needed to, I needed to get him to Mayberry day somehow. And so that's kind of how the story started. I I ended up having him be, getting a speeding ticket in Georgia while shooting a movie, and then the judge sentences him to Mayberry Days, or Mayberry Fest, we call it, and uh, he has to go by court order, and he has to go to represent his dad, because his dad, a lot of this in the movie is autobiographical, uh, the little bits and pieces of, uh, you know, my relationship with my dad, although it's not, a, it was never a strange, I created the uh, relationship between our movie star and his father who was on the show as a broken relationship. And so he did not want to go to Mayberry Fest, and he did not want to represent his dad. And so it's just kind of his journey. Um, and then he uh, and ultimately kind of reconciles with his dad at the end. And um, mm-hmm. like I said, that's not really based on my own experience, but I beefed it up for the story.
0: Well, you know, it's it's interesting uh, actually that you say that. I mean, it's kind of funny that you do that with the um, uh, the the tribute, you know, with to your dad, kind of, you know, a little bit, um, even though it's a, it was a you know obviously you sound like you were much closer to your father because I know in the opening credits of the original show, I know that it's a very subtle thing, but Andy shakes his head, and that supposedly is a tribute to his father. Oh, is that right. Yeah, know that. yeah, he kind of when they're walking with the fishing pole and they're throwing the stone, he kind of does this huh. kind of movement with his head, and apparently that's exactly what his father did. So, um, yeah, kind of a interesting little tie in there. The other thing too that I was thinking about as I was listening to you and Greg talk is, I think this is kind of crazy, but I understand that Betty Lynn, who was, uh, uh, you know, obviously uh, the the actress, um, one of the actresses in the show, she actually retired in Mount Airy. I mean, she actually went and (laughs) no, is that crazy? Andy's hometown.
3: She moves back. You
0: know. Well, they take pretty good care of her
2: out there in Manary. She is uh, she is royalty.
3: Oh yeah, she's the she's the
0: queen bee in that beehive. Oh, I I believe it. I mean, just the fact that she did it. I mean, when does that ever happen in a television show? And then if you want to if you want to add one more layer there. Frances Bavier, uh, Aunt B. she also retired in like Siler City, which I understand right. is not yeah. that far from Mount Airy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's right. crazy. Uh, you know?
1: Well, no, Betty, think, Betty Lane, think. in case people aren't aware, is Thelma Lou, and, right. and she loves it. She'll do autograph signing, of course, you know, with, prior to the pandemic. But she would do autograph signings once a, once a month. And uh, people would line up for three hours. Just to, yeah, and, and wow. it would take three hours because she would really chat with people and, and take pictures and sign autographs. She just loves it.
0: How, you know, when you, you know, I have not been there, and I'm sure anyone listening to this broadcast for the most part has probably not been in me very days, but how authentic do they take it? Like, you know, um, first of all, is there a, a Floyd's barber shop?
3: Yes. There is. There is. Uh, there. Oh, first of all, if you were to go right now to Mount Airy and just walk down their main street, which is sort of the center of their little town, yeah, you would feel like you were walking on the set of the Andy Griffith Show because, as you walk down Main Street, you've got the the Floyd's Barbershop, Shop, you've got the Wally Service Garage, you've got the Snappy Lunch for the pork chop sandwich. I mean, it's just endless, 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 and. Every year they seem to be adding another store that is a Mayberry themed Andy Griffith type of store. Well you've so, got the
1: Loaded Goat restaurant named after an episode, restaurant. the Loaded Goat. Exactly. Wow.
3: So, so it, it's really if you want... authentic, I don't think you can get more authentic than Mount Airy when it comes to Mayberry. That's interesting. Little, you know, little details
0: on the show that I'm curious about like Floyd's barbershop. They they claim that the calendar was always on February it never left that month is it is it does it feel like they take it to that you know extent or Andy's map behind his desk I've
3: heard is Idaho (laughs) upside down you know well it's (laughs) funny I've not heard it's funny you mention that because two things John first of all those are the type of things that they always like to ask during their trivia contests portion of Mayberry days Oh wow. So they have these trivia contests where these Andy Griffith experts get together and they'll ask like a question like that, like, okay, what state is turned upside down in Andy Griffith's map? You know, and like, you know, little tiny Easter eggs like that. And to kind of bridge that idea to Mayberry Man, the thing that I really enjoyed in Stark's script was that he put a bunch of little Easter eggs throughout our entire movie. Oh, so like You know, for example, like he created this um, Crowler's Market, um, and I think maybe that may appear on screen for like eight or nine seconds total. But anyone who's a fan of the Andy Griffith Show is going to recognize that storefront right away, see the can of peas, see the sign for 89 cents, and it's just going to take you right back.
0: Wow, that is really cool. I love that you did that, Stark. That's awesome.
2: Well, We did that. We also created Floyd's Barbershop as well. Oh, you did? You did? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It looks just like it.
0: Wow. How hard was that to do?
2: Uh, It was hard. (laughs) Well, I mean, we had to get the owner's permission to paint the buildings. Yeah. Um, I had to design the buildings. Uh, I had to create all the artwork. Uh, I have an art department of one, me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I ended up just replicating everything that I could from the show as close to the original as possible. Actually, it's almost a hundred percent that is that's wild and I did it because I wanted the fan base to enjoy it I think you know it's it's okay that it it was hard and and it's only on 10 seconds but it will add to the cumulative uh experience for the viewer and so that's really why I did it it's more for the fans um I know what I'm a fan so I know what they want because it's the same thing I would want if I were watching the movie. So I tried to give them as much of what they want as possible.
1: And where we did most of that kind of work was in Danville, Indiana, where they host Mayberry in the Midwest. So that's another festival, big festival. And uh, you know, you know, obviously Stark had to design all this stuff and did most of the work uh, creatively, but we had a lot of volunteers that then helped us out and and helped, build sets and uh you know like i said earlier the, you know, they gave us locations for no charge um and obviously we had to have the cooperation of the town to do all this stuff so uh you know huge uh shout out to danville indiana yeah. who uh really supported the film and uh without them we wouldn't have been able to to you know realize stark's vision for this
0: god
2: that's it actually had to go before the town council which sounds very mayberry doesn't it it does. and present the plan what is the what is it you want to do when do you want to do it and uh, he had to get approval from the town council to get it
0: done that's pretty cool you know i'm glad to hear that you were as authentic with floyd's barbershop i i just it, it's more on like a personal level but that actor that um uh howard mcnear uh who played floyd i i always admired him because um i in that first season i and I don't know. Most people probably don't even know that. I mean, maybe if you're a true fan, you know this, but I think anybody who's watching the show, you didn't, but he, you know, he suffered a stroke uh, in that first season and, and really he continued on throughout the show. Uh, you know, he's sitting down he often doesn't, you usually don't see him using his left arm because of the stroke, but you know, what a terrific acting job, uh, especially after experiencing something like that. It probably, he has so much humanity, you know, within his humor. I, I just think that's, that's awesome yeah. that you did that. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm a big fan. So uh, if I had a bigger budget, I'd have done more. But um, you kind of have to pick and choose what, where you want to spend your time and your money. But, yeah. um, but those, are, those are two of the most iconic images other than the courthouse, which in Mount Airy, they have a replica courthouse that we used to wow. shoot uh, some scenes. So we didn't have to build that. And it was already there. Same thing with Wally's service garage. Uh, we didn't have to build that. Um, so with, the, with those, and then we also had kind of a cool thing. We have a lot of, a lot of automobiles in our movie, vintage automobiles. Um, not that it's a period movie, but um, one in particular is the um, powder blue Edsel that Barney drove into town in the episode, uh, The Return of Barney Fife." Our, my car wrangler Dan Disler found the that original Edsel.
0: Wait, it's the actual say. car. It's
2: the actual car. Oh wow! The owner bought it from somebody. I don't know the. I don't remember the story, but uh, where was that? Tennessee, maybe. He drove it all the way in for to uh, North Carolina so we could film it in our movie. So we have a a, a Barney lookalike sitting inside with a Hawaiian shirt and a fedora on. And, oh. uh, We even put the big orange flower that is attached to the antenna uh, on the cars to to make it look as authentic as possible. But that is the actual Edsel.
1: Wow, what?
0: What a find. That is yeah, awesome. I know. And,
1: and we've we've been documenting a lot of this on our social media. So if you looked up Mayberry Man on YouTube or our Facebook page, um, you'll see some highlights. And in particular, we, we show some of that, the shooting of that scene. Uh, if someone's really interested, they can go find it on uh, uh, YouTube or Facebook. That. I like yeah. that.
3: And John, you had mentioned, uh, just to go back to Floyd, the Barber character, our tribute artist, who is played by Alan Newsom, turns out that he is really the biggest featured tribute artist in our Mayberry Man movie. Wow. Uh, Yeah, he and Barney. Yeah, yeah, he and Barney, right. Um, And Floyd is, uh, you know, he's been sort of the host of uh, the Mayberry Days Festival in Mount Airy now for the last, I don't know, 10 years, I think. Maybe even a little bit longer. Uh, and he's, and, uh, you know, Stark can, can talk to, uh, you know, how he was as an actor and to be directed. But I thought he did a fabulous job because, you know, Alan was just a tribute artist. He's not a professional actor. Right. And to right. Play- and there is a
0: difference, certainly.
3: Well, yeah. I was
2: at Mayberry Days uh, a few years back when I had this idea and I approached Alan about it. I said, if I write a script that involves a Floyd character, <laughs> can you, I know you can play Floyd. Do you think you could be yourself playing Floyd? I mean, you'd be in front of a camera, you'd have to hit your marks, you'd have to memorize lines. You think you could do that? And he said, yeah, I think I could do that. And so I went on his word and I wrote him into the script and he is kind of the glue, the Mayberry Fest, uh, you know, glue that holds the story together. Barney is also a, a, a figure that's quite involved and uh, he's a great comedian by the name of Rick Roberts, hmm. out of Nashville, I think. And uh, he, I saw a Court sent me a YouTube video of him as Barney and as just a stand-up. And I thought this is a, this is a great Barney, and he knocked it out of the park as well. So the, the Barney and Floyd, um, it, you know, it's very iffy when you get people that haven't done this before you don't know if they can pull it off. Comedy is hard. It's either Comedy going to is be great. funny or it's not. It and, is. and when it's not, everybody knows it.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
2: Uh, but it's these guys, just, these guys did a, such a great job. I was thoroughly surprised and fortunate being the first time live action director that I didn't have to, you know, pull teeth to get a performance out of someone. Cause I wasn't sure if I could even do that. Right. And they made it so much easier for me.
3: Uh, Otis just by again?
2: knowing their lines, uh, there is an Otis character. His name's Kenneth Junkin. He does Otis at the Mayberry Days Festival in Mayberry Midwest, and he's awesome. Uh, we have a we have a Goober, we have a Gomer, we've got Ernest T, we've got the Jinks, we've got we got the Fun Girls. Everybody is represented there, uh, with the except of Andy Griffith and Opie. They just didn't feel like. Um, well, we do have an Opie look Opie. like in a couple of scenes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it doesn't feel right to have an Andy Griffith character walking around.
0: Yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's pretty hard to replace Andy. Yeah. Well, and some
1: of these tribute artists have really been rehearsing these roles for 25 plus years. I mean, that's how long Floyd has been doing this, like 26 years.
3: Yeah. Wow. And I also want to mention, John, that let's not forget that, you know, making this production during a pandemic year has a whole nother set of, you know, challenges and hurdles that I'm just completely shocked and also absolutely overwhelmed with glee that we were able to pull this off.
0: Yeah, no kidding. How many days did you shoot? The whole schedule is 18 days. Uh, We did
1: about 12 days in Indiana and four days in North Carolina, and we'll have a couple days uh, in a location to be... Uh, disclosed at a later date.
0: Gotcha. And how many? By the way, you know, I heard early on when we were talking about this, the fan base. How many fans are actually involved in the film? Are there are there some actually in the film? Oh yeah. What's cool
2: about it is I'm look I'm pouring over the the um,
0: footage now, and
2: I'm I'm looking at all of the folks that were in the movie that are basically fans, and they all did a. Phenomenal job. Nobody was looking at the camera. Everybody was, uh, uh, because, you know, when you're looking at the footage, you're looking at the background. You want to make sure nothing's out of place as far as what actors are doing. Are they, you know, it's a restaurant scene. Are they eating? Do they look like they're eating? Or, you know, and I'm just surprised at how professional everybody was. And everybody feels completely natural. But what's, I think, more exciting for me is that when they see themselves in the movie, yeah. They, are gonna, they had such a great time making it. I mean, a lot, many people came up to me and said, you don't know what this means to me. It's a lifetime dream come true, et cetera, et cetera. Well, they ain't seen nothing yet because I'm, look, I'm looking at them in the movie. They, that's going to be wow. another uh, crazy moment in their lives when they see that because it's pretty, it looks like a real movie and they're in it. That's pretty, uh, I don't know. I think that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, I think it's extremely cool. They they go from being a fan to actually being encompassed in the, I guess you could say Mayberry world now. You know? And I
2: wouldn't want anyone but the fans. I mean, if I had to choose, I would I would take a fan over a professional extra any day. Right. Because it just it's all about the family, and and to to have the family in the movie, it just makes perfect sense.
0: So I'll tell you what I'm going to do a quick go around, and then uh, I'd like to actually. Give you you know quick platform to you know uh, tell us you know kind of where we're going from here with with the film, but um, if you if you have a favorite episode or a favorite movie in the Andy Griffith Show, um, I'd like to hear it. So, Court, is there one that you you have for yourself that you really think of?
1: Well, the the politically correct answer would be you know one of my dad's episodes like Mountain Wedding, but honestly, right. my favorite. My favorite episode, it is one of the top episodes, is uh, Convicts at Large, where uh, Barney and Floyd get stuck in this cabin with these uh, uh, female escaped convicts. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's just, uh, that's my fave.
0: Yeah, just the premise alone <laughs> makes me crack up. That's great. Um, uh, how about yourself, Stark?
2: Well, I was going to say that as well, because I just love um, <laughs> Howard McNear's you know, you better tell him Al, you know, and all that Barney and Floyd stuff together, Yeah. which uh, I didn't think about it, but there's a lot of that in my movie there's because we have Barney and Floyd together. Uh, I wonder if that was.
1: You definitely have that vibe in a couple of scenes. Yeah.
2: I didn't even think about it in that way, but, um, but there's so many, I like, I like a lot of them. Uh, I like almost all of them. There's only a few that I don't like. (laughs) uh, Yeah. um, and I even started watching the color episodes because I was having to design things and I needed color to be able to design. And I started to like them. I didn't really want to like them because you know there's no Barney and, and the the subject matter changed, you know, to to match the 60s and it didn't feel like the black and whites. But then I started to really enjoy those. So, uh, like a lot, most people say you you may just flip a channel and come across it. But once you do, you watch the you watch it till the end.
0: Exactly. And I just
2: think you can do that with any of those episodes, color or black and white. So I, you know, other than that, convicts, I could go on and list ten.
0: I got you, Greg. I just curious, is there any episode or moment from Andy Griffith that uh well, comes
3: to mind? Yeah, well, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Halloween, and I love haunted houses. So uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna have to go with the episode where you know Opie and his friends are playing. A catch or the and it like the ball goes the baseball goes through the window of the sun. I remember that the, I remember house. That.
1: the Rimshaw yeah. house
3: yeah. yeah yeah and they have to sort of like get barney to to go in and fetch the ball, and he you know at first he's all bravado, but then he realize he's just as scared as the kids are right yeah. just yeah. a classic classic episode, um so i I'm gonna go with that uh. Is as, as my favorite moment. I think is you know just to see that transition. And there's so many Barney moments where he goes from sort of the commanding and confident to the sort of weakling, right? I mean, that was yeah. kind of the arc of his character in almost all the episodes. So well, wow, that, yeah. that's funny
0: about the ball going through the window and all that. I remember that so well. That episode. Talk about like if you were the writer of the Ghost of Mister Chicken, <laughs> that would yeah. be total inspiration.
3: Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: exactly. Wow. That's
2: crazy. We even have a little. We have a little Ghost in Mister Chicken
0: reference in our in our movie as well.
3: Of course, we do. <laughs> you guys really
0: covered it. Okay. Well, Court, I'd like to turn it over to you. I think we're going to probably uh, be c- coming to a close here, but I'd like uh, tell us where you're going from here, and uh, you know, if the fans or you know, how, however they can get involved still.
1: Well, that's the thing. That the one of our goals was to make this a an experience for people. It's not just a movie like Hey, donate a few dollars and you'll see it in 18 months with a film, Uh, the whole process is an experience. So we've been putting out updates and behind the scenes, you know, stories and uh, giving people a lot of access and it's really not too late to even get involved. We actually have one more shoot day where if someone really wanted to be in the movie um, uh, there is one last opportunity uh, to be an extra, but um, you know, we still need support. We've got a lot of post-production work to do and uh, we've got some really uh, good opportunities ahead of us as far as some some post-production facilities that we have access to, but we still got to pay for stuff. So um, we're still in a sort of a fundraising. uh, We're always in a fundraising mode. And so if people want to get involved and they want to be part of this and sort of join, join the family. Yeah, where do uh, they go? Yep, uh or just mayberryman.com will get, the, get you there as well. And we have a few opportunities still there, and uh, there's still a chance to get a copy of the shooting script. Uh, you can come to one of our early private red carpet screenings. You know, there's all sorts of fun little ways to still be involved way beyond just waiting until this movie comes out someday.
0: And what's so, our goal? Like what, what's, what's the goal here of ultimately the, you know, when would you like to have it finished by?
1: Our goal is to actually uh, screen the movie at uh, a festival in May. Um, so this coming May, 2021. Uh, and as far as distribution, we don't have distribution or anything like that uh, settled. Uh, our goal right now is to just produce the best film possible for our fans and our backers uh, and make sure we deliver what we promise to them. And uh, if we do our job well enough, um, I'm sure... Others will be interested in in doing a more traditional distribution.
0: Yeah, well, great, great job. I mean, really, like kudos to all three of you. Um, I, I you know, I, I mean that. I, you know, as somebody that's coming to it as as basically a fan myself of the Andy Griffith Show, not really knowing much about the whole ma- uh, background behind Mayberry Man. Um, it sounds like you've done a great tribute to, you know, like I said, one of the most iconic shows. Uh ever on television and so um way to go that's really awesome so thanks for being here uh you know with me and it's it's just been a lot of fun and i wish you guys all the best
1: well thanks for the opportunity to to share what we're doing and uh thanks for
0: covering the andy griffith show you got it a total pleasure all right take care see ya all right Bye. bye